Welcome to Females and Fine Fettle, from Wiped Out to Wealth. This is where conscientious women entrepreneurs and women living like a boss come to learn about balancing their personal and professional wellness with ease. If you have the enthusiasm, motivation, and grit to make it happen, then listen up every Monday. To be sure you don't miss an episode, sign up for weekly updates at femalesandfinefettle.com. The following discussion is for educational purposes only and is not intended to diagnose or treat any disease. Please don't apply any of this information without first speaking with your doctor. Now, here are your hosts, Denise Pasquinelli and Dr. Michelle, your natural women's health advocates who blend the wisdom of ancient healing traditions and the science of functional medicine. Hey there, and welcome back. This month, we are going to be exploring the topics of food, nutrition, and balance. Basically, what the heck to eat and how the heck to eat it in order to feel good. So in today's episode, we will be breaking down the topic with five tips from a functional perspective. Functional in five, or as we have been taking to calling it, the funky five. (laughs) Yeah. So (laughs) the first Monday of the month will be our funky five. Um, It's kind of a new thing we're implementing. So we'll dive into our monthly theme and give you five functional ways to apply this topic to your life. And we'll address things from a personal, uh, interpersonal, professional, societal, and also an energetic perspective. So let's get started. So I think that Denise can agree with me when I say that nutrition confusion (laughs) runs rampant with the clients that we work with. You know, when women come in, they've heard so much conflicting information and have, you know, usually tried a few different diets or food plans, but they almost always slip back into old habits. Sound familiar? Well, this month, we really want to try and clear this up for you so you can feel clear and confident moving forward with your food choices, no matter where you are along your healing journey. Totally. And, you know, there is so much information out there and it is seemingly changing all the time. And this can be really frustrating for people who are trying to make positive changes. So one thing that I try to do is remind folks that the way food interacts with their unique physiology is going to be very personal. And this is because our body is affected by our circumstances, our emotional state, our environmental stressors, which we talked about a lot last month. Um, All of these things are going to impact how we digest our food. And then there are also variables within our food. So the soil is going to impact the nutrient density of plant foods and an animal's diet and its environment will impact the nutritional density of an animal food. So with all of this variability, it is challenging to say that any one approach is good for everybody. It requires some consciousness and some curiosity on the part of the eater to know for certain. But that said, there are some foundational principles to consider when it comes to diet and healing. Yes. So first, let's start with ourselves, our body, and how food is much more than just fuel. It's it's information. And what I mean is that most of the information we find online refers to food as simple calories in and calories out. But whoa, that's way too simple, right? 
So the thing is, you know, a thousand calories of donuts is not equal to a thousand calories of colorful fruits and vegetables, right? The value or the nutrient density of our food can't just be measured by its macronutrients, things like proteins, carbs, fat, right? Or even the number of, uh, you know, vitamins and minerals that you can get in your food. So what we need to do is think about how our food is affecting and really changing the expression of our genes. That's right. (laughs) We can emphasize our good genes and turn down the volume of our not-so-good genes, and we do that by paying attention to the food that we put into our body. We actually covered this in episode 5 called Uh, optimize your genetic blueprint. So I'll link to that in our show notes. Um, But by creating this shift in mindset where we look at food as information and having a direct impact on our genetic expression, I think we can more easily shift our focus from certain restrictions or things we, you know, quote, shouldn't eat to actually viewing food as a tool for helping us feel our best. If we emphasize feeding our body with clean and colorful foods, we can dramatically improve our overall energy, our mental focus, and even prevent future issues and imbalances down the line. Um, I found that one of the easiest ways to do this is to simply check your cart each time you go to the grocery store. Make sure that you have the entire spectrum of color, the entire rainbow in your basket. And don't forget brown and white. Those tend to get overlooked. (laughs) I love that suggestion. Color in plant foods are awesome indicators of key antioxidants and phytonutrients as well. So that is the stuff that contains potent and powerful information for our cells. So with that mindset of food as nourishment and information for your cells, the mantra, eat the rainbow, is a handy one. (laughs) And Speaking of eating the rainbow, I just want to mention that seasonally I offer a chakra-themed dinner, which is a seven-course sensory feast that blends colorful food, physiology, and the wisdom of the chakra system as a method for feeling balanced and harmonious in the body. So if you're in the Portland metro area, join us in summer for an event, and I'll drop a link in the show notes if you're curious. Um, But another really great mantra when it comes to just thinking about core concepts around food comes from Michael Pollan. And I'm sure you've heard this one before, the eat real food, not too much, mostly plants. This is such a simple concept and it is something that nearly all dietary theories subscribe to. So with that foundation of emphasizing organically grown plants and non-processed foods, ethically treated animal products, and loading up on colorful antioxidants, the next step is to notice how you feel when you eat one food over another. So in essence, gathering data and becoming a detective. Noticing how the season and your menstrual cycle and your stress levels are going to affect your digestion and your taste buds and your cravings. Yes, exactly. I actually love that idea of being your own detective. This is this actually brings us to our second topic, food in relation to other people. Um, so a lot of times when I'm working with women and I feel some resistance around modifying nutrition, I like to try and turn it around and switch that mindset, um, almost kind of gamify it by giving them the power to experiment. It almost immediately shifts the mindset from, you know, a closed off and limited space to 
one of curiosity and exploration. So this experimentation can be a great way to identify and address that bioindividuality that Denise mentioned, because one person's superfood might be another person's poison. I mean, not real poison, obviously, but you've probably experienced this yourself. You might have a friend or a family member that can eat dairy like nobody's business, um, and you have you know one sliver of Havarti, and you have to hide in a cave to conceal your atrocious <laughs> gas, right? So this can uh, apply to a number of different foods and nutrients. So it's really important to listen to your body and learn how to do an elimination or re-challenge diet or find someone who can actually guide you through that process. I'm going to be doing a Facebook Live in a few days about this, so definitely check that out if you're interested. Just look up Females in Fine Fettle on Facebook to find it. This is great, and there certainly is not a one-size-fits-all approach. I think a common thing I hear from women is that they try some sort of diet, for example, a vegan diet, and their partner drops a bunch of weight and is feeling better than ever, while they dropped a little bit of weight and then plateaued and feel totally fatigued and oftentimes bloated. And they're kind of like, what gives, you know, like, why doesn't this work for me? And the short answer is because we are all different and we all have different dietary needs at different times in our life. So the long answer is going to involve what Dr. Michelle mentioned earlier, some major sleuthing to figure out how your unique physiology, environment, and emotional state are affecting your ability to digest and assimilate your food. Yes, totally. As much as I love animals, I really haven't found that long-term veganism um, is really a healthy solution for most people, especially women. Mm-hmm. So, um, all right. So our third topic uh, is re- in relation to your professional life. So if you're a busy lady, there's probably always a gathering, a networking event, a speaking engagement, team meeting, a holiday party, or travel plans on the horizon. Um, and these can be tough, especially when we're trying to maintain integrity around the information we're giving to our body, but only if you don't plan ahead. So this actually goes for family holidays, too. Um, If you have issues around uh, the holidays, definitely check out episode 15 for a more in-depth conversation about handling the holidays. But the key here is to not give in to peer pressure. You don't have to be, you know, evangelical about your choices. But if people are giving you a hard time, either directly or passively, uh, be prepared to tell them that you're working on cultivating a healthier lifestyle. And if they want to learn more, you're happy to chat about it with them. Um, I know that, you know, that probably sounds easier said than done. But once you do it a few times, you'll notice that the people worth their salt uh, will either (laughs) drop it or be intrigued by your integrity. And, you know, the people who continue to give you a hard time, well, maybe they're not really worth having around. You can decide that, Um, you know, but maybe you'll actually make new friends. You know, the world is your oyster. I know Denise (laughs) has some great ideas on this topic as well. Yeah, totally. Well, I guess I just wanted to say that I've definitely experienced bringing maybe a healthier option or something that works with what I'm currently eating Mm -hmm. to social events. And oftentimes people are really interested or curious about it. So yeah, it's an opportunity to share what you're learning. Um, 
I'll, you know, in addition, I think having healthy snacks available in your purse or in your car is really great and can be really helpful. Something as simple as a piece of whole fruit, maybe a baggie of nuts and seeds that you can eat if you need to before attending an event or some kind of outing that might not have a lot of food options for you. That can really make a huge difference to have a little something that you can eat beforehand. It's going to help prevent your blood sugar from crashing, which means you're less likely to eat foods that don't make you feel good. And you're also less likely to feel frustrated and hangry by the (laughs) options that are there. Um, Another really helpful tip would be to start the day with a super nutrient dense meal or like a big smoothie so that you have a good foundation as the day unfolds. So this brings us now to our fourth topic, which is looking at food in relation to society. So there are multi-billion dollar industries that have people working solely on figuring out how to make you hate yourself, question your worth, and feel ashamed and or confused about what you put in your mouth. So what I want to talk about here is rebelling against that. (laughs) Finding pleasure in eating good food is an awesome way to rebel. So delight in looking at a bright, beautiful plate. If you have a craving, get curious about where it's coming from. And, you know, sometimes maybe what your body is calling for is actually experiencing the joy of eating a favorite food. So if you're going to splurge, splurge. I like the mantra for this one. Guilt and shame are never ingredients. Yes, totally. I give the same advice to my clients. If you're going to do it, if you're going to eat it, then own it and enjoy it. But depending on where you are on your health journey, you may or may not feel the repercussions. (laughs) I've definitely had clients (laughs) tell me that they, you know, splurged on a special tasty treat for one reason or another, and they felt totally horrible afterwards, not mentally or emotionally, but their body finally recognized that food as an inflammatory toxin. So it ended up responding appropriately, and they actually had like physical symptoms, right? It's a bit bittersweet in a sense, but we'll dive more into cravings uh, later this month, I think, um, since that's a question we've been getting quite a bit. Um, Also, don't forget if you do have a nutrition um, or food-related question, definitely submit it to us at hello at femalesinfinefettle.com. We'd love to answer any questions you might have. Yes, totally. And yes, what you were saying is so true. Um, I mean, I think that's such great information to receive if you're trying to sleuth out what is causing challenges. So with your example of eating something and then feeling horrible afterwards, definitely bittersweet, but awesome information. I think from a social perspective, some of the challenge that crops up around enjoying food. And I think for women, especially is that for so long food has been treated as an enemy or something that needs to be controlled and resisted. And society has played a really large role in this by being so obsessed with women and the weight and their diet and diet foods and generally just feeling guilty about food. It's really become kind of a societal norm. Mm-hmm. And this makes me think of the sacral chakra, our second chakra, which is the one that's all about experiencing pleasure. The sacral chakra longs to experience joy and things like fat and decadence and fluidity are all part of it. 
the archetype for the sacral chakra that is in flow is the emperor or the empress. So this is someone who freely experiences abundance and earthly pleasures, but out of balance, the archetype is the martyr. And this certainly connects to the way that food can often be perceived, right? Like food is literally an earthly pleasure, And if we deny ourselves that or put loads of restrictions around it and call some earthly pleasures bad and some good, that really stomps out the pleasure of eating, right? Mm -hmm. So then eating becomes a chore or something to be endured. And that's when that martyr appears. So cool. (laughs) (laughs) So the sacral chakra is nourished by fats and oils and fluid foods that help the body to soften and feel supple and experience buoyancy. We could all experience a little more buoyancy, right? Mm -hmm. So sacral foods are things like fish and ghee and olives and olive oil, exotic fruits like mangoes and melons, peaches and figs, which are thinking about coming on strong here in the Pacific Northwest, figs are super sacral food. They're decadent and beautiful and so fluid. Mm. So bottom line, allow yourself to enjoy partaking in earthly pleasures. You may find that when those cravings are truly honored and enjoyed, they come up a little less frequently. Totally. It really comes back to honoring your body and tuning in and allowing that energy to flow instead of stifling it. Mm-hmm. So our fifth and final topic is around a spiritual and energetic connection to food. And I have to share one of my favorite quotes. It's from the founder of Macrobiotics, Michio Kuchi, and he says... Peace begins in the kitchens and pantries, gardens and backyards where our food is grown and prepared. The energies of nature and the infinite universe are absorbed through the foods we eat and are transmuted into our thoughts and actions. And this pretty much sums up my love of food and approach to healing. (laughs) That's beautiful. I love that. It's all about reconnecting to the source right like reconnecting to nature Mm -hmm. and the quality of the food that we eat I mean how often do you think about the animals and the insects and the farmers and the packagers and the transporters that all played their role in bringing you the meal that's sitting before you I think that's so so true Mm -hmm. I think when we're curious about where our food comes from we're building relationship with it And when we're involved with the preparation of our food, that super transformational process when food goes from being an earthly pleasure to becoming information and vitality that will be in the form of you and yourselves, we're also creating a deep relationship. Having this relationship also supports the digestion process. Turns out the first phase of digestion actually starts in the brain and it's called the cephalic phase. It starts in the brain. It travels down that vagus nerve, which we've discussed in previous episodes, and it cues the body to produce digestive enzymes that will help to break down our food. 
So creating this connection to food absolutely supports your body in transforming food into you. Yes, absolutely. It seems like most people talk about digestion starting in the mouth, you know, with our saliva and the importance of emphasizing chewing, which is totally important Mm -hmm. and a step that should not be overlooked. But, you know, the real first step really starts in the mind, right? That awareness and connection to the food that we're going to eat, the way it looks, the way it smells, even the presentation of the food all make a huge impression on our mind and that resultant release of, you know, neurotransmitters, hormones, and enzymes. Awesome. Yes. Another way to connect to our food is to consider its energetics. So many healing systems use food energetics as a means to balancing the body. Traditional Chinese medicine considers yin and yang qualities of food. Ayurveda considers the six tastes. Both of these systems use the qualities of the elements in our food as an approach to creating harmony. And we will be exploring this topic in a little more depth next week. So be sure to tune in. All right, friends. Thanks for tuning in. We can't wait to meet you back here next week. Have a great rest of your week. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to Females and Fine Fettle from Wiped Out to Wealthy, a podcast to fit your lifestyle. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, rate, and review at femalesandfinepedal.com. If you have questions or topic ideas for upcoming episodes, we'd love to hear from you. Please be sure to tune in next week.